I, I chose as a subject <clears throat> that I may know him, that I may know him. And that's the speaking Paul is talking about Jesus, that I may know him. Uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I, I believe uh, this life is about knowing Christ Jesus. The Lord told me that. This life is about knowing my son. So all that you and I can attain without knowing Christ is futile. It's vanity. It's nothing. This is about knowing Christ Jesus. God our Father, amazing. He is amazing. Bigger than amazing. He has given us an unmerited opportunity to know, to become intimately acquainted with Jesus Christ, his son, and also through Christ, understand and know him. This is an unmerited opportunity. The, the, the writer of Hebrews makes the statement, not per, per se uh, referring to this, but he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And so I want us to understand that I may know him. So all of this life is not about getting your felt needs met. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. And I, I want to go back. I did not do this originally. So I would like for uh, the team, if you will go back to Philipp Philippians chapter 3. And let's start in the first verse. And I'm going to give you some context to this. He says, finally, my brethren, verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So Paul says that to reiterate myself, it's not tedious, it's not drudgery, it's not boring, it's safe for us. And so sometimes we'll hear the same things over and over. We may think, I got it, I got it. Uh, you remember one of my favorite stories I've told you. I've got a lot of favorite stories, right? The same ones. But uh, one of my favorite stories was a, pa a pastor from Mississippi was preaching in Alice, Texas. We were part of that revival. And uh, he was telling us about how his mother trained him to cross the street. Remember that story? Uh, how many of you remember? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, more that are against you than are for you. So I'm going to tell it again. All right. So anyway, he told the story. His name was Roderick. He said his mom would take him to the the school to school to take him down to the street and she would come to the stop sign the corner and she would say to him Roderick okay you come to the stop sign here and uh, you you look to your left and you look to the right if you don't see any cars you cross the street and she would do that every day and, uh, Roderick this is how you cross go, go to school you come to this corner you look to the left you look to the right if you don't see any cars then you cross the street and she kept telling him that and he said and one day he was just so exasperated with the same thing he said I I know, I know, I know, Mom. When I come to this place, if I, I, I come to the corner, I stop, I look to the left, I look to the right, and if I don't see any cars, I cross the street. I got it. She said, okay, then. <laughs> so she could trust him because she had reiterated, spoken and spoken it until he had it. And so the Lord wants us to understand his words the same way. You know, line upon line, precept on precept, here a little, there a little. Keep continuing, continuing until you and I really have it. All right? And until we can live it, we don't have it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we keep, we keep doing it. We keep preaching. 
This is what Paul says. Paul uses some strong uh, descriptive language, and I want to I use it too because I'm just going to read it. Okay, Paul says uh, to the Philippians, beware of dogs. He's not talking about the, the barking dogs on four legs. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. He, when he says the mutilation, he's talking about people who put their faith in circumcision, physical circumcision. Now, let me just say that physical circumcision uh, profited nothing, nor did a lack of it. But a new creation is what profits. Yeah, and, and so you, you don't get to be a, a God pleaser because you had something done to your body. You, ha you need something done to your spirit. You need to get, be born again. So he says, beware of them, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So, so it's not outward things that are important. So Paul says, uh, we are the circumcision. Now, he's, he's not against circumcision, but you and I have a circumcision by God. God has circumcised us. So he has cut us, as it were, the flesh away from us. And we'll, we'll get into that perhaps not tonight because it's too involved. But we have been circumcised by the Spirit. All right. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, I might have. If anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now, Paul is saying, but Paul did not uh, exercise any confidence in the flesh, but in the Lord. And notice, he said, th this is why he said, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day. That's right. Every male goes in to be circumcised on the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel. I I'm a covenant person. Of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, strictest sect, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He was just showing what the flesh does. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me. And I, I want us to stay there just for a moment. But what things were gained to me. These I have counted loss for Christ, the things that were gained to me. <clears throat> We've been preaching for some time how God wants to remove us from our dependence on the world, world system. He wants, to, he wants us to focus on his son, Jesus Christ, and all the things that we do to live, to take care of our families, that's secondary. That is never primary. It's secondary. God provides for us so that we can take care of our loved ones. But the first thing is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the first thing for every believer. God first. All right. Now listen. What things, what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for, the, for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count everything lost for him. We must give up everything for Christ's sake. All right? For whom, now this is what he did for Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All of the success, quote unquote, that I could have had I counted loss, I counted rubbish, trash, 
garbage, nothing, nothing to lament over. This man had great zeal for the Lord. And this is a zeal that the Lord God himself is desiring to cultivate even more so in all of us. We, we, we want to have that zeal for, for Christ, that zeal for God. This is why he counted it all lost and did not cry over it. That I may gain Christ. That I may lay hold of Christ. That I may, as it were, possess Christ. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to be found in him. But now he further elaborates by saying, not having my own righteousness. Because if you and I have our own righteousness, we can't be found in him. So it's not a good idea to talk about what we have done and who we are and, and all the things we've gone through. No, Paul says, I count all that stuff rubbish. Rubbish. Basura. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then he says that I may know him. Now we understand why he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And what he means is when Paul says, I, I, I want that I may know him, may know him, what Paul is saying, he wants to have a full knowledge of the Lord. He, he wants to be fully aware of the Lord. He wants not only in, in his intellect, but he wants to perceive him in the spirit. He wants full understanding of the Lord. He wants to be sure of that relationship with God. He says to, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, he doesn't want just an intellectual understanding, but he wants an inner understanding and the power of his resurrection. We, we'll deal with that a little bit, but the power, this is what Paul is saying. He's talking about an inherent power, a power that's in here, residing inside you, a virtuous thing. This is the same word, dunamis, that performs miracles. And so Paul is not so much talking about an outward show, an outward miracle, but a miracle inside him. He wants God to perform that moral power, that power of excellence inside him, the power of influence, which belongs to all of the riches and the wealth of Christ. This is what he wants. He wants that kind of power. So Paul already knew Jesus as Savior, so he was not saying, okay, I want to know him more as Savior. He knew that. He wanted to know him intimately as Lord. Lord. You know, Lord has to do with you and I obeying God, doing whatever he says, whenever he says it. You know, we have heard uh, much in the last few days, and I think that there's something that has been uh, spoken and reiterated all of my life, and that is about obedience. You know, sometimes in, in, in uh, uh, Bible commentaries, when we are talking, when the Bible commentators are talking about uh, Saul, the, 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 the heading will say, Saul, Saul's partial obedience, some of them say. You know, no, it wasn't partial obedience. He was disobedient. So you cannot, if God gives you 10 things to do and you, you choose eight of them, you've not obeyed. And so what the Lord wants us to do is to be fully his, to give ourselves fully to himself and not say, well, I'm working on that other thing. No, let God work on it. And the way God works on it, he tells you to do something and you're supposed to do it. Yeah, that's how God works on it. In the scriptures, the Bible talks about 
God hardening Pharaoh's heart. You, you read that. And, uh, and, and then Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So what is it? How, how did God harden his heart? If God hardened his heart, then why would God hold him accountable? This is how God, I believe, hardened Pharaoh's heart. He asked something of him that he was unwilling to do. And God asked him again, and he was unwilling to do it. And so every time he said no to God, he became more stubborn. And you and I, when we become, uh, we say no to God, we think we have some, the prerogative of saying no, the privilege of saying no, and we'll say no to God, and we'll find it harder the next time to obey. So one of the, the best things that you and I can do, uh, if we really want to know Jesus Christ, if we really want to know God, we have to say yes. Learn to say yes. When uh, I read something a number of years ago that said when a child, by the time a child is 18 months old, they have heard the word no more than 2,000 times. And that's why when they get to, 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 to uh, those at about two years old, everything is no. Because they've heard it so much. So we want to say yes to the Lord and not no to the Lord because the more we say no to the Lord, the harder it is to say yes. All right. So, uh, so Paul says that I may know him, that I may know him, uh, and uh, the power of his resurrection, the, the strength, the ability, the power of his re uh, resurrection. So let's look at that, that I may be, con he wants to have a life conformed to his death. And, and I looked at uh, what he meant by, uh, let me read that again. Uh, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death or conformable to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. So what Paul is saying here is that I want to be made like unto his death. That's big. Have you ever thought about that? I want to be made like unto his death, conformed to his death, to receive the same form as. Just when Christ, Christ was always lived a life dead to himself, and when he hung on the cross, he, of course, he died a physical death. But he says, Paul says, I want to be made conformed to his death. I want to be dead to myself. I don't want my own way. I don't want my own will. So this is what God is requiring of us. I, I don't know if you've really sensed uh, this, but in a while, it's been a while that we've talked about it. I'm sensing more and more that the Lord has been bringing us into like a new era a new era where the things that he allowed and tolerated in the past, he's not allowing and tolerating right now. He's not doing that. Things have become uh, more constricted. He's not giving us a lot of wiggle room. And so uh, this is what Paul is saying, I believe. I want to be made uh, conform. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to be made like his death. I want to, re to receive the same form as his death. I want to be assimilated, as it were, into his death. I want that death to be incorporated into my own being. That's what I want. Do you want that? That's what I want. I want to know God the way Jesus knew God. I want to say yes to the Lord every time he asks or requires something of me. And I do believe, again, that the place where we have come requires this kind of, of living. We may say a sacrificial living. Yes, it's sacrificial because the Bible says that you and I are living sacrifices. And, and what that means to me is that we sacrifice today whatever God wants. We, not our will, not my will, yours, O oh Lord. I sacrifice today, go to bed tonight, and wake up to sacrifice again. 
That's what a living sacrifice is. You don't just get to sacrifice a few times and this is it. Lord, I paid my dues. Really? <laughs> you know, God is the, is the one who answers that. No. I can remember, I told you a story about one time I heard this person, a wonderful person in the Lord, say, this, said something, and I, it sounded really good to me. Uh, she said, you know, I've, I, all of my life I've lived for the Lord. I've sacrificed, I've sacrificed, and I've lived for the Lord. I told the Lord, now I'm ready for some things. And it sounded good, and I said the same thing. Of course, I was about half her age, but I thought, man, if she can get it early, I can get it earlier. <laughs> and so I, until the Lord rebuked me, he rebuked me because he says, no, you're, you are a living sacrifice. You don't get to sacrifice for X number of years and it's over. I, I told you about another story uh, as the Lord has been bringing me to maturation. It, it's taken him a long time, you know, but, and I'm grateful that he has allowed me to live all this time. But it's taken a while because God is so gentle with us. And I remember after, you know, my story, and I won't get, uh, get into the depths of it, but as a third grader, I started fasting and praying and, and you know, had led a life of fasting and praying and long, long times, periods, you know, of fasting and praying. And then he says to me, uh, when I'm, well, I guess I can tell you, when I was about 73 years old, and, uh, and uh, he said to me, I want you to live a fasted life. Wait a minute. I thought that's what I was doing. I, I thought there would be some smooth sailing into glory now. You know, I can just eat myself home, you know? Yeah, but he said, no, this is what I want. And, and, and it has been, for my relationship with him, the best period of my life. The thing I feared was the best thing. So that's what he says. Okay, no, you don't get to live 73 lives. Uh, years, or rather 70 years of life, and then now you can retire and just ease on into glory. As, as uh, Bishop Joseph E. Makanda said once, I said, I said, Joseph, you're working too much. You work too much. You need to rest. He said, no, we will rest when we get to heaven. Yes, yes, yes. And so let us be absorbed. That also being conformed to the death means to be absorbed by that death. Be absorbed by that death. I will not live life for myself. I will not live life for myself. All right. So he says, then he says, um, being conf um, let me read that again if you don't mind. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And so Paul is not at all saying that he is not powerful. Let's see what he's saying. So to experience this power... Uh, it was the, the Apostle Paul's goal to experience the power of Christ's resurrection, the power which brought Christ forth from the dead. Uh, now it operates in believers right now, whether you believe that or whether you felt that big bolt, that, that thunderbolt, it operates in the believers' lives right now. Because, how, how do I know that? Because the Bible is very clear that you and I have been raised with Christ. And so if you are not, since you and I are not, if since you and I have been raised with Christ, that resurrection power operates right now in our lives. Amen. So Paul tells us in Colossians, if you'll turn to Colossians 3, um, verses 1 through 4. Let's put that up there. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. 
And in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, he says, if then you were raised with Christ, so, or in, in this case, it would be since then, since, since, since you then uh, were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, that I may know him. So we, we must have a thirst to know him. So since, since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So do you, do you, do you wake up in the morning thinking about Christ seated at the right hand of God? He says, that's what I thought thinking should be like. We should be thinking, I want, I want to know what that's like. I want to experience that life. Where do I experience it? In outward things and, and quote, unquote, these outward manifestations. I know sometimes there are people who say, they want to see something. I want, they want to see, right? I want to see something. I want to see people get out of the wheelchair. Well, why don't you fast a, a, a while? Go fast a 40 days. And then when you don't see anybody get out of the wheelchair, fast another one. If you really want to see or if it's just talk. What I'm saying, live that sacrificial life. Give it to God. And so, but, but this is what Paul was asking. Paul did have those outward signs, but he was talking about something on the inside. He wanted resurrection power to be transformed inwardly. He tells us, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. How many of us wake up every day with heaven on our mind, heavenly things on our mind? Or do we think about what's going right in my life right now? Wow. I think many of us think, what's going on in my life? I'm not happy. Anybody ever just wanted to be happy? You know, you really, really wanted to be happy. You know, you just, you, you, you mulled over that all the time. I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I was in a, in a fix like that once in my life. I tell you about, about my life. Pretty much transparent. Not, not 100%. 98%. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. Always telling God, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. You know, what I, what I was saying, basically, is I want things to go my way. I want things to go my way. Everybody wants to be happy. I want things to go my way. But, but what we are doing is we are forfeiting the joy of the Lord for something temporary, something that's happening. No, the joy of the Lord is much greater than you being, as it were, happy. Happy, hap, happening, something happening. Right. So Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. So he says, I want to be conformed to that. I want to be exper experientially conformed to that death. He says, for you died. He's, he's teaching the believers, this is who you are. This is what, you, what God has done for you. And so, and by continually teaching us, then we begin to receive it in our inner man, and we start to walk in conformity to the Lord Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. And you and I will need it more and more as the days go by. We will need this more and more. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then he gives us this amazing promise. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Wow. And so, Paul wants this power to work in him, this dynamis, uh, and this dunamis, dunamis um, is this amazing power. It means your ability to overcome resistance. So Paul wanted God to work these things in him so he would have this ability, innate ability, to overcome resistance. 
to overcome resistance. So by setting forth his own goals and ambitions, Paul gave the Philippians an example of following. I ask us tonight if we are doing that. His, his example was in stark contrast to those other false apostles. And so Paul, Paul and I think us, all of us, long to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. He longed to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. What about us? And in doing, in so doing, if he were to fellowship, if he were to share in that fellowship of suffering, that means he would become like Christ in his death. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. So these sufferings were not, we're not talking about, and some people may misunderstand, we're not talking about uh, the, the Christ's substitutionary work on the cross. We're not talking about that. That, that is Christ alone. Yeah. We're, not, we're not going there. But Paul knew that he wasn't sharing in that, but he did desire to participate with Christ since he belonged to Christ in the suffering for the sake of righteousness. And Paul talks about this, and I know, I know in the Western world we abhor suffering. I'm one of you. I've hated suffering. I told you I've practiced, uh, I think I was practicing uh, suffering avoidance a lot, you know, and then uh, I may have practiced a little bit of evasion, you know, suffering of evasion. But this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. He says, for to you it has been granted, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Then when, he, when, when Paul says to suffer for his sake, he means for the cause of Christ. How many of us will go to work and suffer for the cause of Christ? How many of us in our communities suffer for the cause of Christ? How many of us are walking what they call incognito because we don't want to suffer for the cause of Christ? I don't want to speak out of turn ever, but I want to suffer for the cause of Christ. I don't want to, you know, you have not made me boast, so I won't boast about some of my sufferings. You know, the Corinthians made him, Paul, boast about his sufferings. The, the Apostle Paul suffered for Christ, and he represented him openly. He, he suffered openly. As a matter of fact, he talked to um, uh, Timothy uh, not to be, like, ashamed or embarrassed of his suffering. Sometimes I see men and women of God, they're suffering because sometimes those who are closer to, closer, closest to the Lord are suffering all kinds of, of humiliations. I've seen it. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to walk in that? Are you, do you want to really know him? Do you want to know what it feels like to be ashamed? When, you know, sometimes when you see the, the, crucif the crucifixion, you see a little loincloth. I don't think there was a loincloth. You know, so are you willing to suffer for Christ? When I preach like this or teach like this, what I'm doing is I'm trying to recruit people. I'm trying to recruit you. I'm trying to say to you, let's do it, and let's do it together. I'm going to end. I think my time is, is almost over. I see a minus 257. That means my time is almost over. So, so let me read. Let me sum up by reading 2 Corinthians 
uh, my sound booth. I didn't give you this, but let's 2 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read 22 through 23, and I'll try not to elaborate. This is what Paul was willing to go through for Christ. And I'm not saying that you and I ought to go out there and do something foolish so somebody can, you know, punch us in the face or, or hurt us. I'm not. You know, some of us will know how, how saved we are if you go up there and say, I want you to take this for Christ, and you punch them. You'll see. You know, but Paul went through a whole lot. He went, and so he said to Timothy, don't, don't be ashamed of me. You know, can you imagine here your, your, your pastor is always getting beat by somebody. And he, he gets up from the bloody pool and he does it some more. And they beat him some more. And the next thing you know, he's been arrested by the temple guard. And he's in jail. And he's been whipping him in jail. It comes out bloody back. And that's your, your dad, your apostle, your pastor. I mean, this is what the first church did to, break, to give us the baton. They passed, there was bloody hands that gave us the baton. Right. Amen. Yes, I mean, these things convict me. Wow. All right, let me go. So 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. I am more. But the Holy Spirit allowed him to write it. That's what gets me. The Holy Spirit allowed him to write it. Listen to what he said. In labors more abundant. I want this to be me. Can anybody in this house say, I want it to? I want it to be. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepness, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarded in the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Paul says that I may know him. This is the Savior who loved us and gave himself for us. And I want to I wanna live this kind of life that pleases him. And I'm trying to recruit people here in this, in this house, in this city, in this region, and around the world. Let's give Jesus the church he died for. Let's be that church. In Jesus' name, amen.